Hello and welcome to episode 523 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. Super Bowl is in front of us. Conference championships are behind us. NFC game wasn't great. AFC game was very, very interesting, I thought. Evan, how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. I mean, obviously that first game was a major disappointment because one team just became wholly uncompetitive as the game progressed. I thought that the second game was a thriller. Uh, a lot of people complaining about the refs in both games. It seemed like in the in the wild card and the divisional round, the refs let the teams play. And in this particular round, the refs wanted to make their statement. That can be frustrating. I also hate complaining about refereeing because all the other people like on Twitter have that covered. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I like to talk about the game, actual game, the players as much as possible. hundred percent. And like, obviously it's not rigged. I thought there were some questionable calls, but it's not rigged. Everybody makes mistakes. It just, it just is what it is. Uh, on today's show, we are going to go team by team slash game by game through what we saw in the championship round, what it means going forward. We will have a couple more shows coming up over the next uh, seven to 10 days leading up to the Super Bowl. We will be talking some long shot exotic props. That'll be fun. We'll also be talking some showdown, massive, massive showdown slate for the Super Bowl $6 million prize pool on DraftKings. Completely ridiculous. Before we get into it here today, reminder that this podcast is indeed brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy Snake Draft for the Super Bowl. Those t- that tournament is live. It's a $5 buy-in, 500 k prize pool, snake drafts for the Super Bowl. Really, really cool. We're working on rankings for that as we speak here on Tuesday. Hope to have them up by Tuesday night. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to upload those onto Underdog. If you have not played on Underdog, promo code ETR when you sign up, they will match your first deposit up to $100. Again, promo code ETR Underdog Fantasy. Also, if you've been playing DFS and you're not going to be able to play this week because, well, there's no NFL games, NBA is live, golf is live, head to the subscribe tab on ETR to check out all the information and details there. All right, Evan, let's start with the NFC game. So one thing that people have said about the Eagles all year is, Eagles haven't played anyone. Eagles haven't played anyone. They've had the easiest schedule. They've had one of the easiest schedules in the history of the NFL. They finally match up with what I thought was a very, very good San Francisco team. But again, we didn't really get to evaluate the Eagles against a good opponent because Brock Purdy blows out his elbow. Josh Johnson comes in and gets a concussion. Brock Purdy has to come in and all he could do is hand the ball off. Again, Jimmy G was not ready to be the backup. So it's tough to evaluate. Still, man, I don't like this disrespect that people put on the Eagles. They have a historically good pass rush, which I think they showed. Perimeter corners are very good. Offensive line is excellent. Wide receivers are awesome. Run game is very good. And I thought all that showed in the game, but people are still going to discount it because the 49ers were such a mess. Anyways, what do you see out of either team in the NFC Championship game? Well, just to focus on the the narrative that the Eagles haven't played anyone, which I, I don't agree with that. They also have smashed inferior opponents. I mean, that's also the sign of a good team. Um in the playoffs specifically, they've just absolutely taken care of business. They've wrecked shop. I think they've scored uh, upwards of 70 points. Their opponents have combined for 14. So that also is the sign of a really good team. I think you could have made the argument before the season, even, that the Eagles were the most talented team in the NFL, 1-53. to And I think at this point in the season, I feel fairly confident declaring them one to 53, the most talented team in the NFL. So um, 
I, I think they're, I mean, I, you know, they, they don't really have a, a, a glaring weakness at any position. So, you know, the fact that, oh, you know, they played a lighter schedule. Okay. They smashed their lighter schedule. And so I'm not taking anything away from them uh, entering the Super Bowl, which by the way, I think we got the best possible outcome. Chiefs, Eagles, a lot of great storylines, two des- well-deserving teams. I am, I'm very, very pleased uh, with, with the end result in this Super Bowl that we're going to be watching. From a fantasy perspective, again, the Miles Sanders usage was, I-, I thought, a bit weird. In the first half, Miles Sanders was, again, the feature back. 11 opportunities in the first half for Miles Sanders, five for Kenny Gainwell, two for Boston Scott. In the second half, I guess they just thought they had the game in hand. Miles Sanders only got one touch in the entire second half, and I get that you know they weren't pushed. In a close game, Evan, do you think Miles Sanders gets over – 20 touches because it's kind of tough right now. And by the way, my Sanders did get there as like the best play of the slate. He scored two yeah. touchdowns, but still. Um, yeah. What do you think about the running back stuff? And what do you think about the running back stuff in the Super Bowl for the Eagles? Um, I think that there may be some truth to the notion that Miles Sanders dealing with a little bit of a knee injury. And so they wanted to take some off his plate, especially when they have games in hand. So you know, in hindsight now, it doesn't surprise me that we saw – and Gainwell has been playing really well. I mean, and, and, and they like to use Boston Scott in scoring position, clearly. Um, you know, they have three good backs, man, you know, and, and this is a way to preserve their top back is by not shoving carries and touches down his throat when they're smashing their opponents. It's just they're a smart team, and they know there's not that big a difference right. between Kenny Gainwell and Miles Sanders. Like, I like Miles Sanders better, but I think there's not that big a difference. I think the Eagles know that. One other thing from the game that actually hit was the A.J. Brown squeaky wheel narrative, which I couldn't believe we talked about on Friday, but A.J. Brown was whining after the Giants game a little bit. They targeted him relentlessly, six targets on the first three drives for A.J. Brown. He finished with eight targets, but they hardly had to throw in the second half. Like, if that right. game stayed close, A.J. Brown might have gone nuke. Now, Part of that, I think, is squeaky wheel. But part of that is also just because dude is a very, very, very good player and you want to get him the ball. You also have the best friends narrative. But yeah, you know, from an injury perspective, I thought that Landon Dickerson got banged up. It looks like he's going to be fine. Eagles have been, I think, one of the healthiest teams all year, if not the healthiest team all year. And they'll continue that into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I saw your tweet. I saw you getting some backlash talking about that the Eagles were one of the healthiest teams. I mean, people just have no ability to put anything into perspective. Yeah. The Eagles were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, and that's generally what you know. That that's a big contributor to to qualifying for the Super Bowl every year. That the healthiest teams obviously have a significant advantage. Speaking of health, I want to give a shout out to Jalen Hurts. Like he did not have his best game. By the way, the Eagles smashed in this game, and they did not play their best game. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, the toughness that he showed, like getting, you know, obviously like drawing drawing that flag late, a dirty hit uh, out of bounds by uh, Hufanga, the 49ers safety. Uh, and that was like two plays after taking a massive blow to the ribs. I was like, man, are his ribs b- broken on that play? A couple plays before um, the, the Hufanga penalty. Jalen Hurts has like established himself as, first of all, we, and we, ta- we talked about this all year. His improvement every single year is just remarkable. And now he's like considered one of the, like the strongest leaders in the league and his toughness really showed. And, and the teammates are, are going to appreciate that, that he showed late in that game against San Francisco. 
One market that I've been looking at is the Super Bowl MVP market. I've been looking at this for the last, I don't know, seven to 10 days or so. And one thing that I thought is like, first of all, people overrate how often quarterback wins the Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, regular season MVP almost exclusively goes to quarterback these days. But Super Bowl MVP, only 60% of the Super Bowl MVPs over the last 20 years have gone to quarterback. Now, if the Chiefs win this game, I do think it's like overwhelmingly likely to go to Mahomes. However, on the Eagles side, there's so many other ways that they can win. Run game, defense, big wide receiver game. Uh, one that I took was Josh Sweat, 500 wow. to one. I think he's 151 in most places, but 500 to one I saw at Superbook. But yeah, there was some 151 on Josh Sweat. I, my point is, and Ryan wrote an article about this. It's up on the site uh, now. But my point was more that if the Eagles win, I think there's more paths to some longer shot guys winning like a Josh Sweat, like someone who gets two sacks, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. completely changes the game, like uh, uh, A.J. Brown if he goes off or Devontae or something like that. So, yeah, just want to put that out there. Love that. 49, 49ers stuff, Evan, um, they didn't have a chance. You know, their quarterback got hurt. Their backup quarterback got hurt. They were dead. I think the Eagles would have won the game anyways, but I, who knows? Now, I think the interesting thing going forward is what do the San Francisco 49ers do at quarterback? They have Trey Lance. They have Brock Purdy, who, by the way, is going to be out six months after throwing elbow surgery, which is a major concern. Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. I have been too high on Trey Lance each of the last two years in fantasy. Um, And we don't know what would have happened this year, you know, if he didn't get hurt. But as you can see with Brock Purdy, like you don't have to be that good in San Francisco's scheme with this system to put up big fantasy numbers. So obviously we're working on the next year's rankings uh, already. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on what San Francisco is going to do at quarterback going forward. Purdy, Lance, Garoppolo is a free agent. I think that, and you know, I mean, you you could call sunk cost fallacy and I might even do that here. Um, Although I I, I wouldn't go that far. We just haven't seen enough Trey Lance, but I mean, with with all that they gave up to go get him, um, how they had him first in line, clearly uh, in, in front of Garoppolo entering this year. Um, I think that they have to give him another shot. Yeah. And, and I don't know if his skill set, although we have seen these certain types of quarterbacks, they tend to be pocket passers, kind of nimble footed pocket passers who can move just enough to execute the bootlegs and the rollouts. I don't know if, if Trey Lance's style of play is necessarily suitable to that kind of success, but I, I think we're going to find out. I mean, I think that they almost, I don't want to say have to, but I would say they almost have to give, Trey Lance, another significant opportunity, put him atop the depth chart, give him all the first team reps throughout the offseason in training camp and and see what he's just because of of how much they invested in him. He is still a really talented and high IQ player. um, And I I think that they've got to give him that shot with all their all their weapons. They'll probably add some to their offensive line, try to put him in the best possible position to succeed. Yeah, and, and from a fantasy perspective, and, and by the way, our first run of rankings for next season will be up sometime in a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. Um, one thing that I'm thinking about for next year's rankings is like, there's also a chance Trey Lance sucks, right? Like, I, and like, I didn't really want to accept that the first two years, but like, what if he just flat sucks, right? And I think that has to be baked in at some point here, despite how good of a setup it is when you're the 49ers quarterback. But yeah, I still want to lean optimistic, obviously, given the situation and his skill set. Let's go to the... AFC game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, man, dude is on one leg, loses three 
wide receivers from an already thin group in the game. I thought Cincinnati did okay on Kelsey. The run game was totally dead. And still, and still Patrick Mahomes goes over 300 yards, wins the game for the Chiefs. Absolutely insane performance by Patrick Mahomes here. What were your overall thoughts on this Bengals-Chiefs AFC Championship game? Yeah, and I guess my assumption was that they were going to do a more quick game and you know, to, tr- to try to uh, protect Patrick Mahomes, keep him in the pocket. He wound up having a really good game still off schedule. Um, when, when he held the, onto the ball, he was highly successful in terms of his success rate and his EPA. Um, it, it, was, it was an incredible performance by a quarterback, you know, a teammate elevator, which he proved. I mean, this team traded away Tyreek Hill, who went to have an awesome season for the Dolphins, and they were still one of the best offenses in the league. And here they are going to the Super Bowl. And then it's it's so attributable to Patrick Mahomes because, you know, they've got Travis Kelsey and then a, just a bunch of guys. Yeah. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, though, and God, I mean, I <laughs> said some bad things about him leading up to this game. I mean, he had not played well in a long time. He really stepped up in this one. I saw that uh, uh, Wiggins and, and Leone pivoted, on, pivoted onto him late and wound up winning money because of it. But shout out to MVS for kind of, yeah, you know, showing showing that he still got that in, that he has that in his bag because he really did not have a strong season. He, I played him so many times this year, and the Me thesis too. of the play with MVS was always, even if you're not that good, if you're out there every snap with Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna have a chance to have big games, and that's just like it happened here. And yeah, Tony getting hurt, uh, Hardman getting hurt, uh, uh, Juju getting hurt certainly helped. And I thought you know Cincinnati was obviously very focused, rightfully so on Travis Kelsey, all, all that helped. But still, yeah, I mean, the thesis of the play is just MBS isn't that good. He's out there with snap with Patrick Mahomes, and this is what can happen. It just didn't happen very often all year, as Evan said. So in this game, MBS ran 39 routes, Sky Moore 29, Juju 22. They had to give Marcus Kemp 16 routes. Hardman came back, but then hurt his pelvis again. I don't know what's going on there. He only made it nine snaps, uh, nine routes. Kadarius Tony, who made it back, I do makes one move. He only runs three routes and he's hurt again. I mean, this dude cannot stay on the field at all. And Justin Watson was a healthy scratch or he was sick. Probably not a healthy scratch, but he was sick. They ended up with him inactive. I think a big storyline leading up to the Super Bowl is how many of these guys are going to be healthy. Is Juju going to be hundred percent? It's Hardman going to be back. Is Tony going to be back? Cause it's, it's hard for Mahomes. I, I mean, Mahomes is insane, but like if he can win the Super Bowl with MVS, Sky Moore and Justin Watson has his wide receivers like that would be something. So that's definitely to me the biggest injury stuff that I'm watching. Yeah, it's it's a bottom five wide receiver room. Yeah, I mean across the league, and obviously Kelsey obviously elevates it in terms of pass catching unit. Yeah, um, I, I I thought it was interesting. Pacheco played a, a ton in the passing game this week. I mean, yeah, the running back situation was that that was t- difficult to predict. But Pacheco has really like progressed as the season has progressed as a player. He didn't have a great uh, ground game in this one, but he shows that he can uh, participate and be a contributor in multiple ways. I don't think that they need to go invest in the running back position this offseason. They'll, they'll probably bring somebody in, but I don't, I don't think that they need to. So the McKinnon stuff was so weird. If I was in that spot, you know, where I lost all these wide receivers, Matthew Mahomes needs to get the ball quickly, allegedly, like, I would have lined up Jerick McKinnon 
as a wide receiver more, used him more, but they didn't. I mean, Pacheco outsnapped uh, uh, McKinnon 39-27. Pacheco ran 26 routes. McKinnon ran 16. Pacheco had 16 opportunities. McKinnon only had eight. And so, like, when I was watching the game, I was like, man, is, is McKinnon hurt or something? Like, what's going on? Why are they not using him more? But these last two games in the playoffs, it has not been McKinnon. It's been way more Pacheco, and they're showing a ton, ton, ton of trust in him. And as Evan said, really good sign for Pacheco, who when he gets the ball, I mean, dude runs hard and dude is very, very fast, especially when he has the ball uh, in his hands. Anything else on Kansas City before I just want to mention a couple of Bengals things? Let's talk Bengals. So this Joe Mixon stuff, man, like I get it. They think Samaj P. Ryan's better in the past game. Fine. In the biggest game of the year, in a close game, Samaj P. Ryan outsnaps Joe Mixon 43 to 23. And by the way, a lot of people are like, oh, they needed Pirine in there to pass block. Pirine only passed block four times, according to Pro Football Focus, in this game. We now have a situation where Joe Mixon is coming off an inefficient year. And a lot of people are saying he's a cut candidate. Um, you know, they made the choice to give him a $48 million contract and then not use him in pass downs. They were able to get away with it because they have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on rookie contracts. They can't, like keep paying running backs because they're going to have to pay Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase a freaking fortune soon. So what do you think is going to happen with Joe Mixon? Any other thoughts on the Bengals kind of uh, autopsy here? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Joe Mixon, but I do know that they can save 7.3. They could, they're going to have to take a five and a half million dollar cap hit, but they can save 7.3 million by moving on from him. And clearly they feel just as comfortable. All they obviously – they give Mixon more touches. He's more talented than Samaj P. Ryan. I don't think anybody would argue against that. But they feel just as comfortable with Samaj P. Ryan in the game as they do with Joe Mixon. Um, and I think that that's telling. I mean, you know, from a financial standpoint, they really probably should move on from Joe Mixon uh, for the reasons that you mentioned. At the same time, the Bengals, like, they're bringing almost everybody back next year, at least in the pass catcher core and a, bu a bunch of their offensive linemen, including several guys that got hurt. But Chase is back. Burrow is back. They have the ability to bring back Mixon. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins all coming back. Um, so, they're in, I mean, they're still in their window for sure. I mean, my point is always the most valuable thing in sports is a very good quarterback on a rookie contract. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. I mean, that's why these teams are able to have such loaded rosters. The way you do it, with a quarterback who you've paid already is have him be the greatest quarterback of all time, like Patrick Mahomes, right? And you can see the Chiefs are thin, man. I mean, the Eagles, no doubt, have a better roster than the Chiefs from top to bottom. And that's partly because they have to pay Patrick Mahomes freaking billion dollars or, or whatever. So, um, you know, the Bengals' window is is clearly, clearly, clearly now. I'm curious what you think of the line, Evan. Uh, I know everyone wants to bet on the Super Bowl. It's one game, I, I you know. I wouldn't go nuts. We're going to have fun with the props and some exotics and stuff like that and try to try to have fun with it. I think Super Bowl should be a fun betting experience. But just from the actual betting line perspective, this opened at a lot of sharp spots. Chiefs minus two and a half. Market firmly disagreed. Like within 10, 15 minutes, the line went all the way out to Eagles minus two and a half. Now it's back to Eagles minus one, Eagles minus one and a half. Uh, to me, the public, I think, will be on the Eagles. I don't I don't have a lot of conviction around that, but I think that like Joe Sixpack in the bar will like the Eagles more than the Chiefs here. But I don't know. People also love betting on Patrick Mahomes. 
I don't have a strong take here. Again, I think the Eagles are significantly more talented. Can they overcome arguably the greatest quarterback ever? I know people don't want to hear that, but arguably the greatest quarterback ever in Patrick Mahomes. What were your thoughts on the line? Any thoughts on the game and the matchup here initially? And we'll obviously talk a ton more about the game over the next yeah. 10 days or so. Yeah, I got my my Super Bowl bet in before the uh, conference championship round on the Eagles at plus 240. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's where I, I'm rooting. Um, I, I would not bet on it right now. You know, I'd be looking at props, I guess, and and that kind of stuff. And <laughs> to the NFL draft, by the way, which Daniel Jeremiah just came out with his top – his initial top uh, top fifty. Yeah, um, I'd start looking at that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at. I'm not betting the game in terms of the line. I, I'll just be betting props. Yeah, there's gonna be. So, I mean, there's so many more fun ones. I, I do think that people overestimate how much it's worth when a line goes from like one team minus two to the other team minus two because games just don't land on those numbers that often, and so it's not worth that much. Now, if it hits three, that's a whole. Whole, whole other story, but I don't think this line's ever going to hit three. It's going to sit between, you know, Eagles minus one and Eagles minus two, I think, right up until kick. We'll be talking to David Al on the betting show next week, more about the line, et cetera. You can find that show on our YouTube channel. All right. We'll be back uh, probably next week to talk some exotics. We'll also be back next week to talk showdown ahead of the big Super Bowl one game slate. Also be back next week with David out to talk betting. Appreciate y'all being here. Hope you enjoyed the conference championship. Hope you enjoy a week off from NFL. I know it sucks not to have NFL, but again, if you want to be playing DFS, if you want to be betting NBA props, check out the subscribe page, NBA props, NBA DFS, golf DFS is all live. For Evan, for producer Luke, I'm Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.